Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, I'm grateful to be in church today, aren't you? Amen. Thanks to those of you who are joining us via live stream. We are so glad that you're here today. Hey, got an idea for you before we start. If you would, whip out your phone. We've been saying this a lot, and I think it's amazing to go on Facebook and see this. Check in on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You can say it on Twitter, uh, whatever that is. Let people know that you're at church, and it's really cool if you look at your own friends list after. Uh, I see a lot, a lot, a lot of posts. Now, what we love about that is you can reach people that we could never reach just by checking in really quick. You can let people know about the amazing things happening not just at our church, but at churches all over this nation. Amen? So I'm excited to be speaking with you today. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about a a sermon that I've titled, You Know Me. And so we are going to start with that. But I want to go ahead, first of all, and invite you, if you're here today and you didn't get some paper notes. Could you raise your hands? Our ushers are going to get them to you. If you didn't get any paper notes today, raise your hands. There's no more. We ran out. I like that. I'm okay with that. All right. I'm sorry. Here's what I would ask you to do. Oh, we got a little bit, just like the last few. So you're going to have to race as quick as you can to the front. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Um, We're going to have challenges to see who can win them. Team competitions, and you could share them after that. Just kidding. So Uh, I I apologize to those of you that aren't getting them, but I will encourage you to do this. Bust out your phone, go to the notes app and write this stuff down. We got one last copy if anybody wants it. One last copy of the notes. Somebody, all right, cool. Go to your phone, go to the notes app and write this down. Listen, we believe in taking notes here at Tree of Life Church. And here's why. Number one, it keeps us engaged in service. Number two, studies show that you, re- you will retain a lot more information simply by writing it down. And then number three, it's a reference. And I can tell you honestly, I have taken notes from a Wednesday night and I have sat and read them at a time when I needed them a lot in life. And it blessed me to read it again and it really helped me. So I encourage you to keep these somewhere if you can. We're going to start with John 14, verses 1 through 14. It's going to be a lot of scripture. Is it okay if we read some of the Bible here today? Just checking. So it says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now listen to this. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? People call him Doubting Thomas. Maybe they should have called him Blunt Thomas. I think he just said what everybody else was thinking. We don't have any clue where you're going, so how are we supposed to know how to get there? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip gets bold too, and he says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And still you don't know who I am. 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Can I, can I just read that again? Because I think we skip this a lot. We don't really understand what it means. It means what it says. It says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. This is Jesus speaking. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Everybody say greater. Jesus didn't intend for you and I to scrape by in life. He actually said that we would do the same things he did. Now, what did he do? He taught people about the love of God. He healed the sick. He made the blind see. He raised the dead. And by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Jesus says that you and I can do those same things and even greater. Now, I'm going to ask you to believe that, to let that sink in, because if he said it, it's true. And think about what God could do with you. Right after that, it says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's referring to within his will. But I want to pray really quick and then we'll dive into this and we'll kind of dig into what this scripture means and some truths that we can pull out of it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you that you picked us. And the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died to set us free and to bring us into right relationship with you. That we didn't pick ourselves or choose ourselves, that you chose us. So we're grateful to be here today. And God, we wanna learn from your word. We're thankful for the word of God. The word of God that shows us the truth, that shows us maybe what's wrong in our lives, but it doesn't leave us hopeless. It says, but God can change you through the truth of the word that will set you free and through the power of the Holy Spirit who will enable you to do this. So Father, help us to have ears to hear today. As I teach, help it to come out clearly. Help me to teach what you would want us to learn today in Jesus' name. Help us to receive this, not just hear a message and walk away the same but receive it and live differently as a result. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So there's a difference between knowing kind of the way to get to somewhere and knowing that area. Do you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you know the directions to a certain place, but it's different if you know the area. Like in your neighborhood, you know that, okay, by the white mailbox near the corner, there's a pothole on the left-hand side, so you got to kind of swerve to avoid the pothole. Anybody know what I'm talking about? we got some people from Louisiana. There's a lot of potholes in Louisiana, yes? Everywhere, thanks a lot, they said. So you know maybe where to swerve or whatever that may be. In fact, my wife, Christy, and I, she is working over an ECM. We were the other day in downtown New Braunfels, and I looked at this gas station, and I was like, man, they tore the pumps out of that gas station. They made it into just a regular like convenience store, corner store type of thing. And she said, are you sure there were pumps at that gas station? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. And she said, would you bet a million dollars that there were pumps at that gas station? I said, yeah, I would. 
Of course, it was me and her talking about betting a million dollars. So if she had a million dollars, it was coming to me. It was all in the same place anyway. It doesn't really matter. And neither of us have it, so it really didn't matter. But, you know, I know the area. I remember one time I was near that gas station, and there was some guy that was extremely angry. I remember that. I remember airing up some tubes to go float the river at that gas station. I know that area like the back of my hand. You know, I grew up a military kid and uh, we, home base was here for us. Every summer we'd drive back to New Braunfels, but, uh, and then we moved here when I was 12 years old. But we lived in San Diego for a while. And if you've ever been to San Diego driving, first of all, it's long, but it's a lot of desert. And it's not a lot of roads that you have to take to get there. It's mostly 10 the entire way. It's really easy to know the directions, but I know, oh, you're not working in ECM. This is my wife, Christy. You can raise your hand a little bit. It's okay. Uh, She is our early childhood ministry director here at Tree. We've been married since October. It's awesome. But but, uh, I know know the road to to San Diego. I don't know, has anybody ever traveled that way on 10 towards San Diego? Like if you were going and it takes almost, almost half the trip to get out of Texas, a lot of times we leave at night And when you would come up, I think it's at Fort Stockton right before El Paso, and you come up over that hill and you see like actual civilization for the first time in hours. And there's hope for you. And then you cross in to New Mexico and you might spend the night, we'd spend the night in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And then we keep going and there's a lot of graffiti on the rocks in New Mexico. I don't know why, it's an art area, but I don't think that applies to nature. You probably shouldn't paint on the rocks. And there's a lot of graffiti along the rocks and you get to Gila Bend, Arizona. There's a big gas station. There's The Thing. Anybody know what The Thing is? There's billboards for miles, hundreds of miles. A place called Dateland where they grow dates. And there's a place called, there's a, a two mountains called Dos Cabezas because it looks like two heads sticking up. And I know that area like the back of my hand because I grew up on that road with nothing else to do because it was uh, pre-iPad. We had Game Boy Color barely. And so... There was no, you know, uh, data and getting on the internet on your phone. So I didn't have anything else to do but a crossword puzzle or look out the window. And so I know that area like the back of my hand. And you could know the way to somewhere, but you could be familiar with the area. And that's different. And I was thinking about that. It's kind of like running. Anybody like to run out here, uh, in here? I'm an outside only runner. I don't do as much of it anymore. Uh, They call it the treadmill for a reason. Nobody likes the treadmill. But I run outside. And you know, when I go running, I learn more about the area than I do in a car. Right? Because I'm taking it slow. I'm seeing it. I'm becoming acquainted. I'm becoming acquainted with the area. Your first blank is right there. It says, think on this. You can travel the road and miss the scenery. You can travel the road and miss the scenery. And how many times do we do that in life? And I was reading this passage a while back and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, okay? And right before that, he said, you know the way. And Thomas said, we don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. And that's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I always think of the way, the truth, and, truth, and the life. Just, he's the way, he's like a road. He's the way to get there. And you know the way, you know the road. But it's very interesting to me because I think God wants more than just to be known like that's the direction. That's what I should do. Jesus is the way to get to heaven. I mean, I should live for Jesus. 
I have kind of a, a knowledge of it. I think he'd rather us be familiar with him and be acquainted with the way and get to know the way. Because Jesus is not just a path to salvation. He is the way to salvation. And the actual way to salvation is knowing him, not just knowing about him. And so today I want to talk about four truths about having a relationship with God. And I believe we can see all of these in scripture. Four truths about having a relationship with God. Number one, God doesn't just want to be known about He longs to be known. I chose the word longs for a meaning. If you said, I want to go to CeCe's and have pizza, okay, we don't know why, because it's pretty bad, but we like it anyways. We still do it for some reason. No offense if you work at CeCe's, I'm sorry. This is one of those things that you have to eat, but you don't know why you're eating it. Does that make sense? Macaroni on top of a pizza? Uh, But I... I want to go to to CC's and eat pizza. But if somebody said, I long to go to CC's and eat pizza, you'd be like, first of all, you're really weird. But that's a much more serious term, yeah? That's a much more kind of desperate, serious term. I don't think God just wants you to know him. I think he longs for you to know his character. And here's how I know that, because why would I send my son to die for you if I didn't sincerely want and long to know you better? Because Jesus didn't just die to open up a gate to heaven. He died to open up a door to a relationship with the father. You know, I think about this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Spurs, uh, somewhat of a fanatic, and it's kind of sad A friend of ours the other day said that she was with her family and they were watching a Spurs game and she knew a lot of facts about the Spurs. And her family was like, how do you know all these facts? And she said, it's because I've been spending time with Cody and Christy. That's not good. I shouldn't know as many facts as I do. But I know all about those players and what they do. But am I familiar with them? Do I know them? Imagine this. If you're married in here, imagine if you knew, I mean, you were a fountain of knowledge about your spouse. Oh, she likes this flower and this is her favorite color. This is her favorite restaurant and her birthday is this day and blah, 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 blah. But you didn't really know them or spend time with them. Would your spouse be satisfied that you knew facts about them, but you didn't spend time cherishing them and getting to know them? I wonder if sometimes that's the way that God feels. I wonder if sometimes we know all about him, but we forget to know who he is. It's easy to know about somebody, but it's really hard to get to know him. You know what it takes? Time in. I got to sit down with you. I got to spend time with you. If you read into this sentence, when Jesus replies to Philip, Philip says, show us the father, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says this, he says, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. See, Philip had spent time with Jesus and had even served him faithfully. But Jesus appears hurt that Philip really didn't know him for who he was. A lot of us know about God, but when was the last time we focused on getting to know him? Most people know facts about God, but they have no relationship with him. Isn't that true? 
How many people could you ask today, who is Jesus? And they could tell you who he is, but you might ask them, when's the last time you spent time with him? And they couldn't really tell you. I, I, was, studying actually out the, I was studying out the word know that Jesus uses. When he says, you know the way, the first time before Thomas pipes up and says, no, we don't. When he says, you know the way, it's more of a mental knowledge, like I know this. Like, yeah, you know the directions of how to get there. But later on when he says, have you been with me all this time and yet you haven't known me? He uses a different kind of a word. If you study the original language that this was written in, he uses a different kind of word. And it's kind of like how things we say could have different connotations. If you take, for instance, the title of this sermon, like if I said, come on, you know me, it would kind of be like, you know I don't mean that. But if I did something really dumb and I, I knew it was dumb and it was silly, I'd say, well, you know me. It would come across differently. Jesus uses a different word and it comes across with a different connotation. And when he says, have I been with you so long and yet you haven't known me? What he's saying is, do you not have an experiential knowledge of me? He's talking about connection. He's talking about intimacy. Do you not know me? He's not anymore talking about, you know about me. Yeah, you know the way to heaven. He's saying, don't you know who I am? And we can know about the way to heaven without knowing about who the way to heaven is and what his character is. Ephesians 1, 9 and Jeremiah 33, 3 and 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12 teach us that God wants us to know more about him and what he's doing on the earth. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12, it says, no eye has seen nor ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But look at this verse. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Did you catch that? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, but it says that God has revealed these things to us. We've received God's spirit so that we can know about all these wonderful things. See, God wants you to know him. He put his spirit on the inside of you so that you could learn more about him. The things that you don't understand about him, you could spend time developing a relationship and get to know him. Just like that difficult coworker that you have maybe. And you don't understand why they do the things that they do, but if you sat down with them for 30 minutes or an hour, you might begin to see why they act the way that they do. Maybe we're the difficult coworker sometimes in that situation with the Lord, but just tossing that out there. Number two, the way to God isn't a religious method, it's a relational journey. It isn't a religious method, it's a relational journey. Many times we go through the motions, but we miss the why behind the what. We go through the motions, but we miss the why behind the what. Now let me be clear on this. What I'm saying here is that there is only one way to God and that's through a relationship with Jesus. You can't get to heaven any other way. But I believe that the difference between Christianity and all the other religions in the world is that in other religions, you have to follow a method to prove yourself to God. But in Christianity, you enter into a relationship with God himself through Jesus, his son. And that's how 
you get to heaven. It's not about your performance. It's about leaning into him and getting to know him and accepting him as the Lord and the savior that he is. See, the religious leaders of that day had built life on a system of rules, but Jesus built the Christian life on relationship. That's, a, that's something amazing to stop and think about. The religious leaders of the day built life on rules, and we live in a fairness and a rule-driven society. But Jesus steps into the scene, and he says, I'm going to build this on relationship and on grace. I want you to know me, and I want you to receive my forgiveness and my grace. He turns the tables. Amos 5 and 1 Samuel 15 both show us that we can observe religious practices in the name of God without honoring the relationship that he wants to have with us. You know, in 1 Samuel 15, King Saul um, gives the Lord a sacrifice on an altar, a burnt offering. He gives the Lord a sacrifice or he was going to. And um, it's really interesting because the prophet tells him, isn't obedience better than sacrifice? Because he wasn't supposed to give a sacrifice at that time. God had instructed him to do something different, but he did his own thing. See, he was doing what he thought was a good religious practice, but the prophet told him that to God, it's more important that you obey me than that you practice your religion. He thought he was doing what should have pleased God, but God said, if you'd have just done what I said, any parents understand that? Yeah, you're like, yes, Lord. Go use that, it's great. My mom used to tell me the scripture, obedience is as witchcraft. <laughs> that was our scripture going up, but it's pretty true. Anyways, I mean, disobedience, I'm so sorry. Disobedience is as witch, rebellion is as witchcraft. My brain is all over the place. Rebellion is as witchcraft is what my mom used to always tell us. That's a good scripture for your kids. I'm just giving you permission to throw it out there. Rebellion is as witchcraft. But this prophet is basically saying, listen, you can perform all the religious acts and ceremonies that you want, but if you're not obeying God, none of it matters. And obedience comes from relationship. See, he knew God's command. There was a relationship there, but he didn't respect the relationship that he had with God enough to do what God said. Have you ever had somebody that... Um, Maybe they asked you what you wanted for your birthday or for Christmas and you told them, spouses are like, uh-huh, this has happened to me. You told them what you wanted or that you didn't want anything. But he, because it's usually a guy, showed up with a gift that you didn't want. Anybody ever had that happen? Like, well, I asked you for this, but clearly you weren't paying attention and you got me this. Or we said we were not going to get each other presents this year, but you showed up with a present. That's in effect what Saul did. He violated the relationship and the wishes of God in his relationship in order to try to perform a religious practice. Where if he'd have protected his relationship with God, he would have obeyed God anyways and he would have gotten it right. Sometimes we get so focused on getting everything right when we should be focused on getting closer to the one who is righteous. And because we're righteous in him, we'll begin to walk that out because we know him and we know who we are in him. So relationship over religion. Number three, faith and relationship are inseparable. Hebrews 11.6 in the New Living Translation says, and it is impossible, everybody say impossible, to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him 
must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God not only exists, we trust that, but we trust that he rewards people who come to him. That's faith, trusting the character of who God is. Humans, we really honestly trust what we know. Trust level grows as the relationship becomes deeper. Is that true? Why do you think that at jobs, they have a 90-day probation period? Because they don't know how it's gonna work out. So they're gonna give you a certain amount of time and if it doesn't work out, it'll be easier to get rid of you and to find somebody else. As the relationship grows, as we get to know each other better, the trust deepens or it lessens. It really depends on the person, but with God, he's always trustworthy. Our level of trust in God, letter A, grows as our relationship becomes deeper. And it's really interesting in John 14, 11, it says, just believe when he's talking to Philip. He's like, you haven't even known who I am all this time you've been with me, seen me do miraculous things, helped me accomplish these things at times, and you haven't even known me. So Jesus says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. See, the issue I believe that Jesus is getting at is trust and relationship, faith and relationship. He's saying, listen, if in all these years you haven't really gotten to know me, the least you could do is believe in the amazing things that you saw happen, get some trust there, and then we'll start to build a relationship on that. Does that make sense? Maybe you're hiring a contractor and you don't know this person, but you've seen their work. And then your relationship comes on the back end of that once you become in kind of a working relationship with them. But you had an initial trust because you saw their work. Sometimes the miracle that takes place in your, in your life and in my life is really honestly because God is trying to get your attention maybe and kind of trying to get you to say, I'm gonna trust God a little bit more. I firmly believe that. What about those of us who had miracles when we weren't walking with the Lord at all? He had no reason to do anything for us, right? But he initiates, he chases, and he says, just believe, just trust me. And then finally, number four, it says, personal relationship produces supernatural power. In Daniel eleven thirty two, I'm only gonna read the last section of it. It says, but the people who know their God, everybody say no, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Not the people who have done the most good deeds. Not the people who have uh, read the most chapters of the Bible, although that is our way of getting to know God. But it's the people who know God that will be strong and carry out great exploits. You know, I read this and I thought it was staggering. Statistics show that 90% of Americans pray for healing. 90% of people in America pray for healing. A quarter of people have actually laid hands on somebody to pray for healing. But 20 to 40% of Americans attend church weekly, attend church weekly. 20 to 40%. So 90% of us pray for healing, but 20 and probably not 40, it's really 
closer to 20% of us actually attend church to come to know people who are on the same track as us and to come to know God better. I think of it kind of like this, and I don't mean this harsh, and please don't take it harshly because I think we all do this to some level. But what if you had a friend, like, is anybody in here a mechanic? Anybody? Okay. What if you had a friend that only called you when their car was broken? And you probably have those friends. They only called you when their car was broken. If you're maybe a plumber, you had a friend who only called you when they had a question about plumbing. And you were more than happy to help them, but you wish that the relationship would deepen. I believe that's the way that God sees you. And I, I, I don't think he has an issue with helping you. But my thinking is he probably says, but I wish that we could have a deeper connection than that. If your kids only come to you when they need finances, don't you wish you could have a deeper relationship and connection than that? I believe sometimes that's the way that God feels about us. And I don't believe it's in a negative way. I believe it's an honest longing like Jesus expressed that, hey, I just want to know you. I mean, I gave my only son to know you. I just want to get to know you. And like I said earlier, I believe God blesses us. And I believe sometimes even when we're not walking with the Lord, he'll step in and he'll perform a miracle in our lives because of his mercy and his grace. And honestly, I believe that miracle is meant to draw us into a closer relationship with him. But I do wonder this, and I'll give you some of these these blanks right here. How many more miracles would we see happen if we knew God's voice better? Number two, how many more times would we have just the right word of encouragement for someone or feel led to pray for someone who we didn't even know was going through a tough situation? Can I tell you a secret? In one of the worst times of my life, I will never forget this. I was sitting in my car outside HEB and I was just like, God, where are you? Help me. It was a horrible time in my life. I walked into HEB, walked out, and I had an encouraging word from the Lord for the security guard. And I gave him the word. It was on point. He was like, yeah, that was for me. And I walked back to my car and I sat down and I was like, thanks a lot. (laughs) What about the encouragement for me, God? But you know that I was in tune with the Holy Spirit. I was having a bad time, but I was still pressing into a relationship with him. And when he spoke, I could hear the word. And when he spoke, I knew what to do. Number three, how many more times we hear his voice of wisdom telling us what to do or not to do? One time I um, enrolled in college for my last semester that I ever took. I think I ran after this. I enrolled in college and I didn't pray about it. I just figured this is a great opportunity. It was free. Um, And so I just did it. It was honestly one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my entire life because I failed both classes. I went through the entire semester extremely stressed out to the point I was having actual bodily um, reactions to the stress. And I didn't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because I chose not to pull close and to listen. In fact, he tried to tell me, but I didn't hear it correctly. And later on, I realized, oh, the Lord tried to talk to me, but I wasn't in a place to listen. You know, maybe there's a decision that you're about to make that the Holy Spirit is trying to give you wisdom on and saying, do it or don't do it. And you've got to be in a position of relationship to be able to hear his voice. You've got to be in a position of relationship. Even when I was uh, buying an engagement ring, when we were gonna get married, I felt like the Holy Spirit directed me in what to do. And I got a great deal on one and it was better than the one that I had been looking at. 
The Holy Spirit will direct you and lead you and guide you, but you got to stay close. It's just like with your kids. They know your voice because they spend time with you. You know their voice because you spend time with them. If another kid in the store yells, mom, you don't turn around because you've become accustomed to their voice. The power that we need sometimes is a product of the relationship that we have with the Lord. Not because he's withholding, but because we haven't stayed close, so we're not tapping into it. So here's my challenge for you today. Think on this. Actually, I'm sorry, I missed a couple things real quick. The more time you spend with God, the more you'll know his voice and his heart. And letter E, when you know his heart and his voice, please catch this. You can walk in the life he's promised you. This is the best part to me. This life doesn't just bless you, it blesses others as well. God was more than enough for me in that time of need in the H-E-B parking lot. And I'll tell you, he met me where I was at throughout that whole process. But in that moment, he needed me to hear his voice so that I could be a blessing to that security guard. And when we live the relational life with Christ that he's calling us to live, we're not only blessed by him, but we become a funnel to bless people through him. And that's our goal. So here's my last thought for you. Think on this. Have you been mistaking your religious activity for a relationship with God? Have you been mistaking your, your religious activity for a relationship with God? Number two, what will you do to connect with him this week? Realization is good, but action is what makes it wisdom. Knowledge without action is not wisdom, it's just knowledge. So what will you do this week to connect with God in a greater way? And maybe you'd say, I'm connected. What can you do to deepen the relationship this week? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.